Folks, the, the topic that we have to talk about today was in your, in your, um, whoa, in, in your, your camp books. It's not a nice topic. It's a topic that I would never choose and that I wish I could have had this forum on Monday because when you realize that you have to address teenagers on the topics of homosexuality, premarital sex, and abortion, it's kind of like somebody putting a huge rock in your pocket and you have to carry it all week. I didn't finish my preparation until about 11.30. I've prayed hard. Lots of other people have prayed hard. And I know the Lord's going to provide. The reality is that we have to talk about these things these days. Um, why? Because the world is getting darker and darker all the time. And Satan is getting more insidious all the time. And he finds all kinds of ways to confuse those that would seek the Lord and those that would want to serve the Lord. So I'm going to start the, the, the presentation actually talking about God's divine relationships. Because you see, God has this perfect plan for mankind. And in Genesis 2.18, I don't have all the references up there, so at some point I'm going to be asking folks to look up references. But some of them I have up here. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. God didn't say I was going to make a helpmate for Adam. He said, I'm going to make a help meet. Someone specifically created just for Adam. And then it says, And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. God caused Adam to fall asleep. We all know this from Sunday school. He took a rib out. You know, for years I thought that every man would have one less rib than a woman because to me that would make sense. But no, nope, we have the same number of ribs. Right, Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy's studying all these things so I can check it out with him. And then, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken from man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God intended for man and woman to become husband and wife and to establish a very beautiful relationship, a wonderful relationship, a relationship that you can't compare you can't even begin to understand until you're there. We have some engaged couples. They can understand a little bit about that. And trust me, you're, you're, just, you're just scratching the surface. I remember at my wedding, my father performed the wedding service. And I'm sitting next to my lovely wife who's dressed in white in the Mansfield Church. And I think I love her more than anybody could love anybody. And he said, you think you love that young lady next to you? He said, you don't. He said, you're infatuated with her. You don't even know what love is. And now, in a couple weeks, my wife and I will celebrate, actually about four weeks, we'll celebrate our 26th anniversary. I'm just beginning to understand what love's all about. Because it grows every day. So God created man in his own image. In the image of man created he him, male and female created he them. God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. 
God intends for a man and a woman to be married, to bring forth children. That's the plan. Now, is, is everyone called to marry? No. Some are not, and, and that's a different form. But for those that God calls to be married as husband and wife, He brings those two individuals together because as a union with Christ as the center, they can serve God more faithfully. Thank you. I, you know, I typed this quick, but thank you very much. And you know what? I won't fix it now, but remind me at the end to fix it. Thank you. See, that's why I should have other people type these things for me. Um, now, Proverbs 5.18 says, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. God expects a husband and a wife to have fun together. God created sex between a man and a woman, not Satan. God created this to be an amazing, fascinating, fulfilling, awesome experience. He gave that to mankind as a gift to be enjoyed. In 1 Peter 3, 7, uh, and I, this is the middle part of the verse, I didn't... The rest of it talks about some other things about marriage and things, but I said, I like the part here, and being heirs together of the grace of life. Together, this, this, this marriage relationship becomes this beautiful experience that helps that couple go through all kinds of things in life. There is nothing wrong sinful, dirty, immoral, or indecent about sexual relations between a husband and a wife. What happens is the devil can't leave it there. And the devil decided that he would begin to pervert, to twist, and to manipulate this beautiful relationship that God created. And in Genesis 6, 5 it says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The devil had his way, not just in getting Eve to eat of the fruit, and Adam to eat of the fruit, but to even break down and try to destroy the very relationship that God had created for them. This Genesis 19, uh, 23 through 25 uh, this is talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. We, and I didn't want to go into to all of it, but we you know, read that chapter in Genesis. Everything that, you know, things so vile and so evil that today a crime, the crime of sodomy, is taken from what went on in the city of Sodom. Um, that, you know, it, you can't, you can't, you, you probably can't. Just read the papers. And we know what went on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And finally God had had enough with that city. And the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot returned to Zoar. And the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah. Brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And overthrew those cities and all the inhabitants of the cities. And that which grew upon the ground. God had had it with Sodom and Gomorrah. They were warned. They didn't repent. And he wiped them off the face of the earth. Now, let's find out how we get to this point. 
Um, I will read this, but those of you that have a Bible, turn to Romans 1, and I'm going to read verses 18 through 32. Because it is extremely critical that we understand how mankind got to the point where we are. Romans 1, beginning with verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. God is saying, uh, Paul is saying here, God has shown to mankind who He is by what He's done. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also men, having the natural use of the woman, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their own lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. God saw that man did not want to accept him, even when he revealed himself to them, called them, showed himself to them, gave them up to a reprobate mind that they should believe a lie. That's sobering to me. That's frightening to me because what it tells me is, and... There are 179 teens at Eastern Camp. 31 of you are converted. 
That's 17.3%. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that probably at least 95% of you have been called at one time or another in your life, if not this week at camp. God has introduced Himself to you. He has revealed Himself to you. He has called you by name, specifically placing that burden in your heart. And if you choose to ignore Him, at some point, He will give you over to a reprobate mind that you will believe a lie. Not because He wants you to burn in hell, but because you have chosen to go a different way. You have chosen not to listen to Him. So what happens? What happens, dear ones, is sin becomes less sinful. We get desensitized to the things that are going on. I used to have allergies when I was young. And I would go to an allergist who, the first thing they did was they did allergy testing and they probably stuck a, a total of 80 or 90 needles, in, maybe 120, I think, needles in my arms. And I, you know, I, I actually thought it was pretty cool because it looked like a football field because you know, all the yard markers were, were these little dots across my arm. But once they figured out what I was allergic to, then they started giving me small doses of these allergens every week. I had to get a shot. And I wonder, well, how in the world is... And so my mom, who was a nurse, and I was about 14 or 15 at the time, said, well, you know, you're going to become desensitized to these allergens. The devil knew that years ago. And by giving us small doses of sin. Sin doesn't become sinful anymore. Sin becomes a way of life. And all of a sudden, and if somebody wants to tell you that homosexuality is not addressed in the Bible, give them the first chapter of Romans. What is it when it says, men working things... Oh, let me read it so I get it exactly right. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections for even their women to change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving, the and receiving themselves the recompense of the error which was meet. Homosexuality, clearly stated in the Bible, is a sin. But society says it's not a sin. It's a way of life. You see, that person can't help the fact that they were created with an attraction to the same sex versus the other. It's sin. It's sin. But because we're bombarded with it, we think it's just a way of life. Or, and it used to be that when it was talked about on TV, it was a humorous thing. They picked fun of the homosexuals. Now it's to be expected and accepted that this is normal. A continuation of a degradation of this divine relationship that God had planned. Oh, I went the wrong way. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, and I got it right here, so I'll grab it quick. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Young people, think about that part there. Had pleasure 
in unrighteousness. The last verse in Romans chapter 1 is, and knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. What do you watch on TV? What magazines do you read? I was appalled that for months it seemed the headlines on the news were who's the father of Anna Nicole's baby? A poor, broken woman whose life was destroyed by sin and now the news media decides that it's newsworthy for us to try to figure out who her husband, not her husband, who the father of her child was. And they fought over who gets to bury the body of the dead woman. We're having pleasure, young people, in the deeds of darkness. Think about a lineup on TV. Desperate housewives. Desperate housewives, when, the, when, when Brother Mark... Uh, Varga did a survey of young people between the ages of 13 and 25, I think. He, he sent out 200 surveys. I think 168 came back. That was one of the television shows that was watched by many. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna decide that we're going to watch a television program that glorifies affairs. Deviating away from, from the perversion of God's divine relationship. Sorry that I get passionate about it. But, I, but it's, it, it's frightening to me because the world is getting so dark that, that God's people now are questioning whether or not it's really sin. Why do I keep hitting the wrong button? Um, let's see. Proverbs, so could somebody look up Proverbs 5.20 and read ver, 5, verses 20-23 and somebody else Ecclesiastes 11.9? And I'm going to move these all out so you can see them. Someone else look up 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. Proverbs 5, 20 to 23. Thank you. Solomon was saying, you know, why, young people, why, young man, will you allow yourself to be ravished or consumed by some young woman, somebody you're not married to? Don't you realize that this is all open to the eyes of God? Those things that we do in secret that we think nobody knows about, God knows. He knows them. He sees them. And it talks, and it also further down there talks about being bound by the cords. Cords were, 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 were straps that, that bound the young person because of the folly that they were pursuing. Um, did I ask somebody to look up Ecclesiastes 11.9? Do you have it, Phil? Read it, nice and loud. Ecclesiastes 11.9. Thank you. Rejoice, O young man. Live it up. Follow your dream. 
Follow that woman that catches your eye. Do all the things you want to do. But remember, for all those things, God will bring you to judgment. All of them. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. Pardon? Oh, I, we didn't get that one yet. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. That's why I have my conscience up front to keep me in line here. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20. Thank you. Sins of sexual immorality are sins of within the body, not outside the body. Last night, as I shared my concerns about having the forum, somebody had to remind me that, believe it or not, we may have to discuss that oral sex is sex. I said, thanks to President Clinton. We have to talk about those things. But all, immor- all immorality falls into this category. It's not when, when you have sex with somebody else, that's a sin that, 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 that goes to within your body. You have perverted outside of the marriage relationship the divine plan of God. It's a sin against God because our bodies are what? Of the Holy Ghost. The temple of the Holy Ghost. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells us. How can we trash the temple? Anybody want a piece of gum? Why don't you want it? Because why? So? It's just a little used. Want my gum? Why would somebody want you if you've allowed your body to be used like that? Pardon me for being graphic. Pardon me for being gross. Pardon me for scaring you. But young people, your purity is something you can't ever get back. Now, I need to clarify that. God can forgive. If you, before you knew the Lord, went out and fell prey to these awful things, please do not let Satan convince you that you're beyond hope. You are very much within the realm of what God's plan is. Because when God forgives, God forgets. And the Lord will help you to deal with that. But my young people, we have to remember one thing. Even when God can forgive every sin, some sins leave scars that you may have difficulty forgiving, that you may never be able 
to completely get over. But God is greater than you. Scripture says, when thy heart condemn thee, God is greater. And, and, and I, don't, I don't want anyone to think that if they have fallen prey to these things, that they are in some way worse than anyone else. Um, I won't ask the question because I don't want to take the time. The worst sin, in my opinion, that a soul can commit is that of rejecting the call of God. Why do I say that's the worst sin? Because God said to His Son before the foundation of the world was laid, this creation that we're going to bring about here is going to be corrupted by Satan. We're going to need a, sinful, a sinless lamb to redeem the people. And Jesus said, I'll go. And God knew at that moment that the day would come when Jesus would be hanging on the cross with our sins and that Jesus would, would have to cry out to his Father, you know, why? Why are you forsaking me? Because our sins were placed upon him and his Father, that he could commune with all the time, had to turn away. And he died alone. That was the price that was paid for my sins. And then, when through the miraculous working of the Holy Spirit, God calls me and says, I want you to be my child. The price was paid. What I need to have you do is just allow me to come into your life and make you whole. And I say, thanks, but no thanks. Sorry, don't need it. Not now. What sin can be worse than that? And how many of us, how many times I committed that sin? And the Lord was gracious and continued to call. And, 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 I, was, and I, could, I could embrace grace before my heart was so hard and was so dead because of the sin in my life. Um, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. Now I'll stop being rude and I'll take the gum on my mouth. But that, well, maybe I won't. Yes, I will. That is kind of a graphic way of describing something, so. Whoever has it. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. Thank you. So we're going to move beyond the negative. I want to move to some positive for a minute here. Warning us. Abstain from fornication. All immorality. Abstain from it. Don't, you know, why in the world more schools don't teach abstinence with all their other things? I don't know, but they really should. And that we need to learn to possess our bodies in sanctification. We need to learn to allow the Lord, to sanctify us through the Word. That's good. They need to in all schools, but I guess some of them don't. Um, 1 Corinthians 3. Let me read that one. 1 Corinthians. i got all these little post-it notes in my Bible. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 16 through 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, 
and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. We have to guard this temple. We have to learn to possess it. We have to learn to to protect it from the evil one. Okay. Is it wrong to kill? Yes. Good. Everybody? Okay. Good. Well, we can move right along. Um, Somebody look up Psalm 139. We're going to be verses 13 through 16. Because there are some people that think it's okay to kill in certain situations, and I do not mean wartime, which I also believe is wrong. I believe capital punishment is wrong. Scriptures tell us that. But that's another forum. Killing in wartime and, and capital punishment is another forum. Not, not today's. We don't have time for it. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Thank you. David is saying, I think David wrote Psalm 139, maybe not. I didn't check that, and I don't remember for sure. But the psalmist, that's the easy way to put it. It's like if you, need, if you want to refer to who wrote the book of Hebrews, since we don't know, we just say the writer of Hebrews said. Well, in this case, the writer of Psalm 139 said that God possessed his reins, his, his circulatory system, I, I'm guessing, internal workings of his body, even before he was. That God knew him before he was. Okay? And that while he was within his mother's womb, he's talking about a being here. This is not some, this is not tissue, a tissue mass. This is not a fetus. This is a child. And I didn't realize how much of a child we were talking about here. So I decided to um, get some details. On day one, Conception. There's 200 million sperm that are all working to try to get through the outer layer of an egg. And one makes it through. And as soon as that sperm penetrates that egg, everything about you, if that was you, is known. The entire genetic makeup. Everything. Right there. Life has begun. We'll keep going because this gets really cool. On, between days 16 and 14, this new individual, because at this point, God knows whether it's a boy or a girl, but I certainly don't, attaches itself to the womb. Now someone will say, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. At what point is this tissue mass part of the woman? Because if it's part of the woman, then the woman should have control over what she wants to do with that tissue mass. Well, guess what? How much is a part of an egg that's in an incubator at a chicken farm part of the incubator? It's not. 
It's a little egg sitting inside a warming oven. So's our child here. Not part of mom. Well, a little bit, some cells from mom, some, some genes from mom, some genes from dad. But mom is the incubator that's going to nurture this child until the child is ready to be born. Day 17, blood vessels form. This isn't a tissue mass. This is a person. There's blood vessels that are forming here. 18 through 20, foundations of the brain, spinal cord, and nervous system are laid. We got a brain. We got a nervous system. It's all starting to come together here. And this child is only 20 days past conception. I found this amazing. I wish I could have put all the pictures in because there's some really cool pictures too. Day 21, the heart begins to beat. How is this not a person? How can the government in the United States not, how can our politicians in the United States not do what Ronald Reagan said when somebody said to him, Ronald Reagan, Mr. President, why in the world are you so opposed to abortion? He said, because nobody can tell me that's not a human being. And he said, I have been sworn in as the President of the United States, and it's my duty to make sure that each individual that's a, that's, that's a, a, a citizen of the United States has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If a heart's beating, it's a person. And you know what? Nobody ever had an argument for Ronald Reagan because he said, I'm not basing it on the Bible, which I believe he believed. He said, I'm basing it on the laws of our land. I have to protect the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to everybody that's under my control as the president, whether they are born yet or unborn. Day 26 to 27, lungs begin to form. Day 28 to 32, arms, legs, nose, a thyroid gland begins to grow. Blood begins to flow in the baby's veins completely separate from mom's. This is not part of mom. Mom is the incubator. This is a person whose blood is flowing. A tongue begins to form. That tongue will give that child problems until the day it dies. Take it from me, I'm 46. By day 40, reflex movements start to occur. Uh, day 41, fingers begin to form. Day 44, uh, internal organs, though immature, are all present. And 99% of all the muscles are present. We're barely a month and a half old. But yet, society would say, this is a tissue mass. Or, I don't even think they'll call it a fetus yet. Because, you see, that's easy for us to... We have no problem sucking this into a sink. By day 52, spontaneous movements begin. Over the next four weeks, this baby's going to be hiccuping, frowning, moving arms and legs. And you know what? Mom still doesn't feel anything. Because that's how small Junior is at this point. By eight weeks, the skeleton, which there, begins to stiffen. Nine weeks, eyelids and hands close if prodded. Now, I really don't know how they did the prodding, but they can get the, the eyelids to open and close and the hands to open and close. No wonder kids, you know, some of them are born with an attitude because we poked and prodded them for nine months. You know, we take pictures of them and they don't even have a chance to get dressed first. It's terrible. <laughs> Ten weeks old fingerprints begin to form. So our criminal justice system says that fingerprints can identify whether or not a person was at the scene of a crime. But we're not saying it's a person. 
and they got fingerprints already. Huh, that's, I think we need to tell some folks this stuff. By week 11, this baby starts practicing breathing. Week 12, hair begins to grow on the eyebrows and the upper lip. I've never seen him come out shaving, but anyways. <laughs> the baby begins to swallow, and, and I'll tell you something else, that by the time you hit 40, after birth, it falls off your head and starts growing on your back and your ears and your nose. And, and, and you know you're in trouble when, for Father's Day, your kids give you a trimmer to trim the nose hairs. And so, but anyways. That's not what they gave me this year. This year they gave me a really cool trumpet case. Um, by week 13, facial expressions may resemble those of the parents. Poor children. Oh. Baby's active, but mom still doesn't feel anything yet. Four months, the baby's going to suck their thumb. Five months, mom now starts to feel the baby moving and kicking. Six months, the baby will begin to hear and sleeps and wakes up. Abortions are allowed into the second trimester. I have heard and read reports of abortions where the child is taken out of the womb and isn't dead yet and they lay it in a sink till it dies. Tell me that's not murder. God help our society for all the millions of children that we have allowed to be killed. Seven months, the eyelids reopened. See, the eyelids had to close for a while. I guess for the development of the eye, um, the eyelids reopened at seven months. Eight months, skin becomes pink and smooth. Pupils respond to light, and now it's getting cramped, so the baby's got to be delivered. That's the way I kind of wrap this one up, because it, it's got to be close in there. So, where are we really? In Brother Doug's forum the other day on holiness, he said that in the study that Brother Mark did, or the survey that Brother Mark did, 23% of both converted and unconverted surveyed admitted to watching X-rated movies or pornographic websites within the previous 12 months. That's sad. That's scary. Because these are the sites, these are the, the avenues that the evil one uses to destroy one of the most beautiful things he's given us as a gift, and that is the relationship that we can have with our husband or our wife. The perversion of the world is spread through these avenues. Job said, I have made a covenant with mine eyes, Job 31.1, I believe, that I will not look upon a maid. Young men, make a covenant with your eyes that you won't even look on a young woman until the Lord gives you the woman that will become the most beautiful being you have ever seen in your life. Young ladies, do the same. Don't consume yourself so much with how you look or how he looks, how she looks. Focus on your relationship with the Lord. Focus on getting to know him closer. Build that relationship first because the only way you will ever have a good marriage relationship 
is if the relationship that each hus- the husband and the wife have with the Lord is as strong as it can be. Then, because look at the world. Their unions don't last. Frightening statistic among the divorce rate among evangelical Christians is rising at an alarming rate and exceeds that of non-Christian people. The divorce rate. There's some spiritual houses that aren't in order. Period. What do we watch on TV? What are we feeding ourselves? Are we possessing this temple that God has given us? in such a way that we want to make sure it's clean. We want to make sure it's pure. We, we, we have to spend time in the Word. The fir- first and foremost, young people, you need to seek the Lord. That's the... Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and everything else is going to be added unto you. If you don't seek the Lord, you're on really thin ice. And I'm not talking about eternity. I'm talking about happiness. I'm talking about surviving this darkened world we're living in. And young people, seek Him now. Not later. Seek Him now. In the state you're in, in an unconverted state, you are the marionette. And Satan is the puppeteer. And when he jerks, you have to raise your hands because you have no control over what he wants you to do. You think you do, but you don't. And sin will take you farther than you ever thought it would. You might say, Brother Dave, I agree with everything you've said. I agree wholeheartedly that Romans 1 is talking about homosexuality. And I agree that fornication and and, and all immorality is sin. And I do believe that if a person commits those sins, God will destroy that temple. I'm not going to do it. And you know what? I believe you that you are sincere in saying, I'm not going to do it. But I also know that on your own, you cannot say no to him. You can't resist Satan. You are his slave, his servant, and when he says jump, you jump. He makes you believe that that's not the case. He makes you believe that you can control it. He's going to tell you that, you know what? And, and, and he's going to say this to my brother and my sister too. You know what? If you really want to have that good relationship with that young sister, you need to get to know her. So instead of calling it dating, which I'm hoping we all would agree the Scripture says is nothing but catering to the flesh, we're going to call it courting. And it's okay. And you're going to find yourself alone with that young woman somewhere. And the devil's going to pull out the trap door. And you're going to fall right through. I need to tell you what I told the 22 to 25-year-olds on Monday. I started out the class by asking why people came to camp. And I said, I bet some of you have come to camp because you want to spend time with your fiancé. And somebody thought I was picking on them, but I wasn't. I said, I didn't say it because of you. I, I said it because it's true. Because, you see, I was engaged at Eastern Camp back in 1981. My wife, I know that's a long time ago. Man. My wife said yes to the proposal that was conveyed to her by my Uncle George. She did not love me at all. She had absolutely no feelings for me whatsoever. 
I had feelings for her because God had told me that that would be the sister that I would ask the previous year at camp. So I had some time for the Lord to give these feelings, but she did not. After we were engaged, I said, how did you know that you were supposed to say yes? She had a clear conviction from the Holy Spirit based on the fact that from the time she was a little girl, she had prayed that the Lord, that when the time was right and that the right man came, the right brother came, that she would be able to have that conviction. I'm thankful that she said yes. But the fact that she didn't have feelings for me really was a difficulty for her in this respect. When I would go to Mansfield to visit, she could not eat while I was there. She just, her stomach would not up or whatever, and she physically couldn't eat. And her mother said, you know, Frida, I'm not going to let you go to camp if you don't get over this because you can't go a week without eating. Well, my mother-in-law was wrong. You could actually go you know, 40 days if you have water, but that would be rather painful, and my wife didn't have any weight she could afford to lose. But the Lord used Eastern camp as a time for her to love me. He gave the love. You know the book, Love Comes Softly? Well, it came softly in the life of my wife. Little things happened. I, our, the Syracuse youth group was going to sing a special number, and they gave me a solo to sing. And she said, why didn't you tell me you were going to sing? I said, I didn't think it was a big deal. She said, when you sang, I just, her heart just exploded. A miracle? Yeah. Part of God's divine plan. Young people, I need to tell you something else. God show and... If you want, we don't have time to do it today, but if you want me to tell you sometime how I knew I was going to ask her, stop and see me and I'll tell you. Because that's a really cool story. Or ask my kids, they, they know it too. Or ask her, she knows it. But Because um, <laughs> that was really important to her that she wanted to find out how did I know it. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, when you get old, it's terrible. I lost my train of thought. Well, you know what, it'll come back to me. Somewhere. Um, who are we emulating? Who do you want to look like? Who do you want to act like? You know the answer to that, not me. Who do you think are cool? Are they the people in the media? Or are they young brothers and sisters that believe that God can move mountains? And that God can bring miracles to pass in our very midst. If I were to look at your MySpace, Facebook, Bebo, or Flickr accounts, what would I see? Did I spell something wrong? I don't know. I'm... Pardon? I got them all there. Let me read something quick. I know you're hungry, and I'm hurrying and. Even the Lord let me forget something I wasn't supposed to say. So, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, 
adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What would I see if I looked at your accounts? Brother Doug had to say in his forum on holiness that he has seen in some of our accounts drunken parties with revelings. Let me tell you something else about these accounts, folks. I run a company. People that are looking to hire people find ways to access these accounts and to see what kinds of pictures are posted by the people that are applying for jobs with their firm. There are no secrets anymore. You might think that it's only you and your friends that you've allowed to have access to them, but there are all kinds of organizations that can do all of these searches and provide prospective employers with all the evidence of what's going on. Be careful. God sees it. And now other people are too. Where do we go from here? This is where we're in the, the, the rapid fire. Uh, somebody needs to find 1 Thessalonians 5, 22 through 24. Someone else, 1 Peter 2, 11. And I'll read James 1, 14 through 16. First Thessalonians five, twenty two through twenty four. Thank you. Flee from even the appearance of evil. That's the beginning of it, but the end is really important. Could you read that last verse again? That part faithful is he who Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. My young unconverted friend, you cannot convert yourself. But you don't call yourself. God does. And he, if you, resign, if, if you surrender your will to him, if you make a decision with your whole heart to seek him, he will finish the work. He brings it to pass. You, don't, you won't even know what all is, is happening. He does it for you. All he wants is a willing heart. But we got to be willing to do our part. we gotta, we got to abstain from even the appearances of evil. 1 Peter 2.11 Thank you. Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You folks have to realize that these lusts are warring against your spiritual life. And guess what? It ain't just you. I got fleshly lusts too. Some of them are the same ones I had when I was your age. Then there's new ones. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. All those carnal things are even attacking old people like me and probably, and no, and I know even my dad who was here last night at 75 years old. 
James 1, 14, uh, 14 through 16. We need to understand the progression of these things. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Sin, temptation often comes through a door intentionally left open. Young men, if you have made a covenant with your eyes that you will not look upon a maid, don't pick up your mother or your sister's Victoria's Secret catalog. It's not smart. And I'd also dare say, it's probably not real smart to subscribe to Sports Illustrated because you know for a fact the swimsuit issue is coming. Now my son has Sports, not Jeremy, has Sports Illustrated coming to the house and guess who gets the mail? Mom. And, and, and Michael is thankful that the swimsuit issue does not ever make it to anywhere in the house. We gotta, we gotta be that smart. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't err, young people. The relationship between a man and a woman under the, 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 the umbrella of, of marital bliss is awesome. All of those urges and desires that you have God has given you those to be saved and stored and preserved like a priceless gift for that person that he wants you to spend the rest of your life with. Don't ruin it. Guard it. And it will be well worth it. Take it from me. It will be very well worth it when God brings about that beautiful union. And the last thing I have up here is what do we use for a standard? And that's for all of us. That's not just for you folks. That's for people middle-aged like me and old people. There is only one thing that we should use as the standard that we measure everything by, and it's the Word of God. It's troubling when I hear people say, well, that's just so-and-so's conviction on the matter. Sorry, it doesn't fly. It doesn't matter what my conviction is or my interpretation of something. What matters is what God said. I can take a verse here and there and make all kinds of arguments. I can come up with verses that say that, you know, you should be able to kill whomever you want because they're infidels. And all of a sudden, my language starts sounding like I'm, I'm an Islamic fanatic. And I could base it on the Scripture. I could take some of the instruction given to the Israelites and go over to the Middle East with a nuclear bomb and wipe them all out because they were supposed to wipe out all the descendants of Moab. You know, read the text. Spend time in the Word and use this as the only standard. I hope I have not offended anyone. If I have, I ask your forgiveness. Thank you very much. God bless you and God keep you pure and in His care.